This passage of scripture, I'm sure, is uh, familiar to, to many of you. Um, it records uh, God's leading of his people by the leadership of Joshua into the promised land. And this morning, I'd like for us to consider these six verses because recently, in my just personal time with the Lord, I found them ministering to me in a fresh way. Um, there's a little bit of, of a testimony, uh, testimonial, I guess, uh, woven into this message, uh, but I believe that what God wants to speak um, and what he's spoken to me will apply to all of us in our lives. It's been a season of change for me and my family. Um, about four years ago, as I mentioned, I began to pastor a church in American Canyon. And this was the very first time that I had ever pastored a church. Uh, certainly, my wife and I had been in ministry, um, leading various ministries and all. But this had been the very first time that I had actually was a lead pastor of a church. And this church had, had suddenly lost their founding pastor who had happened to be dear friends of ours. And so when we came into this ministry, uh, we were ministering to people that were hurting and were going, had just gone through a great tragedy. It was my first time pastoring a church, as I mentioned, and there was a, a lot of excitement and fear along the way, as you can imagine. Uh, but I knew that the Lord had called us to this church. Uh, there were great times of ministry, and there were some very challenging ones, too. Um, but as I mentioned, uh, this is a new season of life for our family and I. Um, this past year had been very difficult for us, and without giving you all the gory details... Just this last January, we had to close down the doors to the church. And that's one of those things that no pastor even wants to admit. But that's where we found ourselves. And so what do we do with this? What do we do when, when such a... Well, let me phrase it this way. What do we do when we thought was going we thought that God was going to work this way. But he ends up doing something different than what I had thought and what I had planned. And so it's a season of change. I've titled this message, Eyes on Me. Obviously not me, <laughs> but that, that that would be the word of the Lord for us today. Eyes on me. I remember when um, we were first teaching our daughter how to swim. And uh, she picked it up really well. She would get in the water and just cruise around. Um, not a whole lot of training really needed. But there came a point when she wanted to go up on the side of the pool and jump in. And it's a little intimidating, you know, at first, but, you know, daddy's right there, you know, and. As long as she could see me and my, my hands are open, ready to receive her, right? 
then it gave her the boldness, the confidence to step out and move forward. And so she would jump right in, you know, and I'd catch her. Good job, right? So we did that several times, and then we had a friend who had a, a diving board in their backyard, in their pool. And she saw all the kids jumping off the diving board, doing all these cool tricks, and she wanted to jump off the diving board. And so as she would go up on the diving board and begin to take those steps out, suddenly, hey, this is different from the side of the pool. And sure, Dad, you're in the water, but you're kind of far out there, and it's deep. I'm afraid. And so for a moment there, there's that, that sense that she had of like, I'm fearful. I don't know what to do. This is, this is unknown for me. I'm familiar with jumping in on the side. That, that I can do, but this is different. And I remember saying to her, just look at me. Just look at me. I'm right here. And sure enough, the confidence would come. The courage would come. And she would jump off that diving board and land in my arms. The title of this message being Eyes on Me, I believe in these passages we'll find instructions on following the Lord in a season of change, where there's worry, where there's the unknown. What do we do? Beginning in verse 1, it says, Then Joshua rose early in the morning, and they set out from Acacia Grove and came to the Jordan, he and all the children of Israel and lodged there before they crossed over. A little bit of a background here uh, for Israel. This was a big day for them. Because in, 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 in just hours, they would find themselves getting up from where they were lodging there along the Jordan River and beginning to take their journey, crossing the Jordan River and entering in to the promised land. It had been over 500 years since God had originally made this promise to Abraham, telling Abraham that he would give his descendants the land of Canaan, the promised land. And that promise was passed down from generation to generation. And of course, you remember that Israel had spent 400 years in Egypt. And during that time, they found themselves slaves, working uh, very uh, rigorously for the Pharaoh there. And they would cry out to the Lord and say, Lord, do you see our affliction? Where are you? <laughs> Please deliver us. And for 400 years, they, they, they lived in this condition. And God was faithful to bring them a deliverer, Moses. And through Moses, God would, would deliver the children of Israel from their slavery, from their oppression. And he delivered them with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. And he led them all the way to Mount Sinai where the Lord would begin to give through Moses the commandments and instructions for the tabernacle. From that moment, from that place, it was time for them to move on to go into the promised land. And you might remember this story 
in the book of Numbers, where they approached the promised land, and they sent in 12 spies. And the 12 spies came back and gave uh, a report to Moses, and two of them, Joshua and Caleb, said, the Lord's with us. Let's go, and let's take possession of this land. But 10 of the spies doubted. They were fearful. And as a result, because of their lack of faith, God did not allow them to enter into the promised land. But they would wander for 40 years. And in those 40 years, God was faithful to provide for Israel. But I, I share that, that background because after all this time, what's ahead of them, they are on the brink of God doing a miraculous work in their midst. And now Joshua is going to begin to give them instructions on how to move forward in the promises of God. A little bit about Joshua. He obviously is the new leader for Israel. The book of Joshua begins with the death of Moses and the appointing of Joshua as the one who would lead God's people into the promised land. He would have been a young man when Moses came onto the scene there in Egypt to deliver God's people. And so Joshua got to witness God's power, God's ability to deliver. Joshua, his name means uh, Jehovah is salvation. God is salvation. The Greek name for Joshua is Jesus. And so even in the life of Joshua, we see a picture of Jesus himself as Jesus would lead us into the promised land. Joshua was a warrior fighting battles for Israel. He was a worshiper. You remember when Moses would go into the tabernacle and hear from the Lord? He would dwell in the presence of the Lord. And it says that Israel would, from afar, see Moses going into the tabernacle, and they would begin to worship from their tents. They just didn't want to come close. But not Joshua. Joshua was a worshiper. He would run over to the tabernacle, and he would be there where Moses was. And even as Moses would depart, Joshua lingered. He just longed to be in the presence of the Lord. And so here in chapter 3, here they are. They're overlooking the Jordan River. God has brought them to this place with a a new leader and, and, of course, the next generation of Israel. And they find themselves in this, on the brink of what God is about to do, And it's different. Moses isn't the leader anymore. Is God going to come through? And I believe they found themselves in a season of change as well. And so the question, what do we do when we find ourselves in this season? I believe in our text today we find out how to follow the Lord in this season of change. So take a look at verse 2 with me. 
And we'll see the instructions that, that are given to the children of Israel. In verse 2, it says, And so it was, after three days, that the officers went through the camp, and they commanded the people, saying, When you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God, and the priests, the Levites, bearing it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. So the, the first instruction given to Israel is to watch for the ark. Watch for the ark. Now, the ark of the covenant of the Lord was a visible uh, representation of the presence of the Lord. A visible representation of the presence of the Lord. In Exodus chapter 25, the Lord speaks to Moses and says, I'm going to meet you there at the mercy seat, which was that, that place just above the ark. And that's where I will speak with you. And so whenever Israel would march out into battle or, or by way of location, changing locations, they would carry the ark with them. And it was this visible representation of the presence of the Lord. And so for the priests to take up the ark and to lead the way across the Jordan, this was a picture of God leading Israel. So the instruction given to Israel was, keep your eyes on the Lord. Number one, keep your eyes on the Lord. Of course, this meant that they had to be watching. They had to be looking. They couldn't be distracted by other things. Uh, one thing they could have been distracted by was how difficult the ta task would be to cross over the Jordan. Later on in this chapter, Joshua writes that the banks of the Jordan River were overflowing. And so this wasn't like a trickle of a river. This was a, a rushing river that would be very difficult to cross. And so perhaps they were considering, how are we going to do this? And having their eyes on, on the problem rather than having their eyes on the Lord. They couldn't be distracted with their worldly possessions or perhaps the projects that they had started. They needed to keep their eyes on the ark. They needed to keep their eyes on the Lord. The second instruction given to them was not only that they should watch for the ark, but as it begins to uh, be carried out, notice there at the end of, of verse 3, it says, go after it. Your translation might say, follow it. In other words, when you see God moving, you need to follow after him. Don't just sit back in your tents, Israel, and just see what God is doing from afar. No, when we see God moving, it's time for us to get up out of our tents and to follow after the Lord. And these two instructions, I believe, are important for us. I, I don't really know anybody here. <laughs> So I have no clue what's going on in your lives today. I don't know what kind of changes you're currently facing now or what changes you might face in the future. Some of you are students 
and you might be thinking about your career. Uh, some of you uh, are single. Perhaps you're thinking about starting a family uh, down the road, perhaps relocating. Who knows? But change can be difficult. However, in the midst of it, God wants to lead us. In the midst of change, God still wants to lead us. And in order for us to be led by him, we must, number one, have our eyes fixed on him. And you might say, well, wait a minute, Cisco, how, how do I see God moving? <laughs> I, I mean, we don't have an ark that cruises around, you know, that tells us, you know, God's moving, you know. If you're born again this morning, if you have the Spirit of, of God in you, it's the Holy Spirit that will lead us in all truth. And secondly, God's Word. It says in the Psalms that God's Word is a lamp unto our feet and a light to our path. You know, you might be here this morning going, I, I, don't, I don't know what's going on in my life. This is crazy. But I just want to know what the next thing is to do. Can I just encourage you to be in fellowship with God and keep your eyes fixed on him? And as you do, and as you begin to sense him speaking, as you begin to sense him leading and showing you the way, then just like, like Israel was instructed, follow him. Go after him. In verse 4, we have another instruction given to Israel. It says, Yet there shall be a space between you and it, about 2,000 cubits by measure. Uh, do not come near it, that you may know the way by which you must go, for you have not passed this way before. The third instruction given to Israel was to keep their distance. Keep their distance. That might sound strange as we've talked about the ark being that visible representation of the Lord, you know. Why, why would we want to keep our distance from the Lord? Don't we want to draw near to him? Now, keep in mind what the context is. The context is his leading. God's leading Israel. And so Joshua is giving instruction through these officers saying, as the Lord's moving, just make sure you just keep your distance. Why? I believe, first of all, in regards to the respect to the holiness of God and recognition of his holiness. But secondly, I believe it's because we're not supposed to get ahead of the Lord. You see, God was going to do great things before them, going to part the waters of, of the Jordan. And could you imagine if, you know, once they, they saw the ark being raised up and 
starting to cross. Could you imagine if out of excitement some of the Israelites were like, yes, it's time to go, you know? And they just start packing up and they're running and I'm going to get there first, right? And they go up to the waters and they jump in, you know, down the river they go. Why? Because they got ahead of the Lord. This was new territory for them. This was new ground. If they kept a distance between them and the ark, then they wouldn't get ahead of him. And I believe why it's so important to have the the Lord go forth is so that the Lord can prepare the way. It's okay. You okay? Good. See, the word just impacted her right in that moment. She just had to, whoa, Jesus, thank you. No, sorry. (laughs) See, the Lord wants to go before you and prepare the way that you should go. He wants to go before me and prepare the way that I should go. And so it's for me to acknowledge his leading and go, Lord, you're the leader. And I'm just going to follow behind you. Because if you continue on reading the rest of the chapter, you'll see that the priests carrying the ark, they were the ones that would first put their feet into the water. And then the waters would stand still. God preparing the way for Israel. So keep your distance so that we do not get ahead of the Lord. And isn't that just like us sometimes? You know, to just, you know, we don't want to wait around. <laughs> we like our timing on things. And so what can often happen is we get ahead of the Lord. You know, we're waiting and going, Lord, I really want this thing to happen, and you're taking a while, so here I go. A personal testimony for me, you know, God has made it clear to us that in this season that we are to just be sitting and, uh, and not just jumping right in to another ministry. Kind of taking a sabbatical, you know, and that it would be a, a time of healing, a time of, of rest, um, but also a time of, of preparation. Uh, we were at a, a conference. Uh, it was last week, wasn't it? Uh, the same conference that uh, David and, and Corinne attended in Monterey. And uh, we were sharing our story with, with the group there. And uh, I had a couple couple of guys come up to me and just say, you know, hey, you know, you know, don't want you guys to, you know, be discouraged. You know, the Lord's doing a neat work. You know, this is just going to be a time for you to to rest, you know, and hear from the Lord. And I wouldn't be surprised if you guys are, you know, just sitting for about a year. And I'm just like, in the back of my mind, I'm going, a year? That's a long time. Like, I don't want to sit for a year. 
I'm hoping that whatever this process is that, I, that we got to go through, that it happens like now and then we can move on to the next thing, you know. Um, and, and I don't know what the Lord's timing is. Um, but I need to keep my eyes on the Lord. And I need to be watching uh, for him to move. I need to let him lead me. Uh, because I haven't passed this way before. So, so we have the three instructions so far. Keep the eyes, keep our eyes on the ark. Go after it. Keep our distance. And then the fourth instruction that we find is in verse 5. Look at verse 5 with me. It says, And Joshua said to the people, Sanctify yourselves. For tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. So the fourth instruction given is to sanctify yourself. The word sanctify is the Hebrew word kadash, and it literally means to consecrate, uh, to set apart, to dedicate, and to purify. Such depth in its in its meaning. So so. This command that's given to Israel to sanctify yourself, Joshua is saying, be set apart from the world. Be different from other nations and set yourself apart from yourself. Meaning your own desires and your own wants. And dedicate yourself afresh unto the Lord. Separate yourself from the things that are not of the Lord. You know, sometimes change can hurt. Our feelings get hurt. Emotionally, it's, it's difficult for us. And rather than fix our eyes on the Lord, we want to go to other things. Because it's so hard. Like eating chocolate. <laughs> you know. are going to, to other sources that might help kind of put a Band-Aid on, on, on the hurt and on the wound when really we need to be looking to the Lord and allow Him to be the one that comes and brings the healing. Allow Him to come and bring the correction. Allow Him to come to give us the right perspective on what's happening. What Joshua is really calling them to is, is spiritual preparation. Getting themselves ready because the Lord is about to do wonders among them. God's about to do great things in their lives and Joshua's saying, look, we're, we're on the brink of God doing something great. This isn't the time to be trying to get your tent all looking nice and, and pretty. We're not going to be staying here for a long time, you know. This isn't the time to be, you know, freaking out because the Jordan River is rushing so, so crazy, you know, and this looks impossible. It's not the time to doubt. It's not the time to fear. It's not the time to be discouraged. It's time for us to be set apart unto the Lord and be ready. Because not only is God going to do the miracle of parting the waters, 
But as they enter into the promised land, they're going to march around this city called Jericho that has this crazy wall that no one could, could battle against, nothing could stand against, except for the Lord. And for God to do these great things in the midst of Israel, it required Israel to be ready and to be looking to the Lord, spiritually prepared for what God was about to do. And in order for us to participate in the spiritual work of God, we must be spiritually prepared. We've got to be ready. So, what is hindering in our own lives? You know, we've got to ask ourselves the question, what's, what's hindering the work of God in our own lives today? Well, anything that's not of God. Anything that's not of God can be a hindrance to the work of God in our lives. In 1 John chapter 2, verse 16, the Apostle John writes, For all this is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. All these things is not of the Father, but is of the world. And so these three things that John mentions here, the lust of the flesh, it literally speaks of the cravings, physical cravings. The pleasing of self, doing what feels good rather than what God has called us to do. And of course, this would include sexual immorality. He says, the lust of the eyes. This speaks of, of the desire for other things, worldly things, material possessions that would breed envy and jealousy and greed. And then the third thing, the pride of life, that desire for fame and position and stature. These are the things that the world is after. But they hinder the spiritual work of God in our lives when they become our pursuit. So what do we do if we have those things in our lives? Well, in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2, you can write this down if you like. We are charged to lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. And he says, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus. There we go. There we see it, right? The Lord is saying, eyes on me, guys. Eyes on me. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. To be sanctified is to choose to lay aside the things that hinder us in our pursuit of God. And here Joshua is saying, okay, guys, sanctify yourselves. Get ready. Which, by the way, that's a choice that we make. 
It's something that we say, Lord, I choose to be set apart for you, for your purposes. I choose, as it says in Hebrews, to lay aside the weight and the sin that ensnares us. It's like that picture of a runner, right? You may have heard this illustration before. You ever see runners in the Olympics? Yeah, huh. I mean, they're like barely wearing stuff, you know? And I mean, because they want to be as light and like all their like clothes are like tight so that nothing's like, you know, hindering them from running, you know? Could you imagine them with some kind of weight? Like they got their big old baggy sweats on, you know, and a big hoodie, you know, or parka or something. That's heavy. How fast are they going to be? They're not. That's a weight to them. And then, of course, any kind of, you know, habitual sin that we allow in our lives, boy, that's just going to hinder God's work. But these are things that we can offer up unto the Lord and say, Lord, I want to lay aside this weight. I want to turn from this sin and fix my eyes on you. He says there, uh, again, at the end of verse 5, Sanctify yourselves, for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. You know, this gives me hope. As I mentioned to you in regards to our family and the season of life that we're in. You know, for Israel, it was going to be a literal tomorrow that they would be, that they would see the Lord do wonders among them. I believe for our family, this is a, a, a word of a promise for us that in the days ahead, sure, this might be a time of, of resting, a time of healing, a time of preparation, but in the days ahead, God is going to do wonders. God is going to do a work. You know, maybe you've gone through some things in your life where you feel like, you know, I'm just not qualified anymore to serve God. I've made mistakes. I've tried things and didn't turn out the way that I thought it would, you know. Maybe the Lord's just putting me on the bench and I'm done, you know. Let, let this word bring you hope today. That if in this season you would just fix your eyes on the Lord and follow after him as he leads. Don't run ahead of him and go past him. Let him lead you and choose to separate yourselves from the things of this world and dedicate yourself to the Lord afresh and get ready. Because tomorrow, and maybe for you and for me, that's, you know, a couple weeks, a couple months, whenever. But in the days ahead, that the Lord is going to do great things among us. God's not done with you. God's not done with me. <laughs> he still has a purpose and a plan for each one of our lives today. One final thing we find in, in verse 6. 
It says, Then Joshua spoke to the priests, saying, Take up the Ark of the Covenant and cross over before the people. And so they took up the Ark and the Covenant of the Covenant and went before the people. This particular instruction was given not to the children of Israel, but to the priests. But I believe it applies to us. And what, it, what this instruction is, is simply exercise faith. Exercise faith. You see, the Lord spoke to Joshua in a very intimate way of what his plan was. That they would cross the Jordan. And so Joshua had to impart that to his leadership and to the people. And so finally here, he is now giving them the command in verse 6 to the priest saying, take up the Ark of the Covenant and cross before the people. Could you imagine being one of the priests? <laughs> you know? Okay, you got a pole, you got a pole. Okay, let's go, you know. And they're headed towards a rushing river. And can you imagine the conversation? Hey, you going to put your foot in first? You know, <laughs> that's kind of scary. But think about this. The Lord didn't speak to the priests. The Lord spoke to Joshua, and Joshua imparted the vision, imparted the word of the Lord. And so it was for the priests to exercise faith. I trust God. And I trust the leader that God appointed over us. And so by faith, here I go. By faith, here I go. Pick up the Ark of the Covenant and cross over before the people and then look what happens. So they did. They took up the Ark of the Covenant and they went before the people. That's faith. And of course this applies to any season in life that we wouldn't be a type of people that wait for the visible proof but that as the Lord would speak perhaps through his word perhaps in just that quiet intimate moment in prayer through a sermon or perhaps through another brother or sister But that we would, by faith, say, okay, Lord, I trust you. Here I go. Let's do this. So, how do we follow the Lord in a season of change? Maybe we can change it to in a season of fear. In a season of difficulty and tragedy there's various seasons that we all find ourselves in don't we but I think all these instructions that were given in this passage are applicable to us that during these seasons that we would be those who fix our eyes on the Lord and as we see the Lord moving that we would follow after him And that we choose to be set apart for him. And as he calls us to step out in faith, that we would be those who exercise faith.